Today we have John McGaw on the show. Are you looking for an exciting way to invest in real estate? If you want to learn about RV park investing and the potential for exciting growth that it brings, then John McGaw is your man. He has over 20 years of experience in real estate investment, and he has a passion for RV park investing. In this episode, you will learn the story behind his venture into the RV park asset class, the advantages and return profile RV parks provide compared to other asset classes, such as multifamily, the type of financing you can obtain on an RV park, and understand the main amenities that RV owners are looking for when selecting RV parks to stay at. Listen and learn. Do you want to get started investing in real estate, but you just don't know how? Or you don't know how to get access to the deals to invest in? No worries. I didn't know either. Go to dbprivateequity.com and I'll share with you how. Now, on to the intro. Welcome to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show. Each week, you will learn how to grow your wealth through real estate investing, be introduced to the players that are getting it done, and learn how you can get involved. And now, here's your host, Darren Batchelder. A little background on John McGaw before we start the show. John lives in the DFW area. He's been investing in real estate for over 20 years, and he sees a huge growth opportunity with RV park investing. He shares that 70% of RV parks are owned by mom and pop owners. That sounds like a massive opportunity. Now, onto the show. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest. We've got John McGaw. John, appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you, Darren. Very excited to be here. Uh, thank you for having me on your show. Absolutely. So just a little bit on how we know each other and then we'll kind of get into it. So um, um, John and I are both part of the Sumrock group. He's, he's a, um, you know, a member in a number of different uh, groups that are focused on both commercial, multifamily and, and RV park uh, investing. And um, I'm very interested to have John on today because he's the first person I've had on the show that's going to be talking about RV parks. And I purchased an RV back in April of last year. So I'm interested to learn more about it. So with that, uh, before we get into uh, the Q&A, like, can you share with the listeners your background um, and what you've gotten into in terms of both multifamily and RV parks? Sure. Well, I've done a little more than just multifamily and RV parks. So I started... Uh, with uh, Lifestyles Unlimited. Well, I started before that with uh, by myself. I was working an IT job and uh, get off work and I would go remodel homes and then put them up for rent. And that was, you know, really tiring me out. So I went When to, was that? Gosh, that was, well, 2001. 2001. So you've been, you've been doing the real estate thing for over 20 years. Oh yeah. Yeah. My first wife uh, was a real estate agent and she had a full-time job and my brother-in-law 
Gavin was a broker in Arlington and he would take me around in 1995 and he'd show me bricks. He'd say, okay, you know, look at the line here. This will show you how to do foundation, you know, if it has foundation problems. And uh, we got a divorce. Well, we started building houses in Euless and Grapevine and from scratch, we buy the land and built the house. And then we got a divorce and I decided I would do rentals, right? So I buy homes and do rentals. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I get off work and I would go rehab it and do all the work myself, just small stuff. Uh, and then I'd hire some, if I need an electrician or whatever, but it was so tiring. Um, and then, you know, I heard uh, Del Walmsley on the radio talking about, you know, here's, you know, come in here and, and learn how to do this. And of course, I went into Del Walmsley's uh, Lifestyles Unlimited and Brad Sumrock was my first mentor, right? Oh, nice. So, so I went to the class a few times and, and thought, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't believe I'm doing this wrong. So anyway, I, I started investing again um, I, actually, I sold all my properties and then I went and started doing it again with them. And oh my gosh, it was so easy. And when I was started doing it again was 2009, uh, around there, 2008. And, and it seemed like every house I bought started making money when I rented it. So I did that up until 17, but I, I liked the commercial, had a lot of people doing commercial and multifamily. So, uh, you know, I taught real good friends with my CPA and she uh, had a few syndications and I was learning how to do that. So I did some syndications with um, uh, senior living and then did some with uh, multifamily and left lifestyles and, and joined Brad's group and learned how to do it there. Brad's a, you know, a great speaker and a, and a great teacher. And so I did that for a while and my mom, here's a good story. So yeah, my mom calls me, calls all our siblings up to Oklahoma. She, uh, she says, I got to talk to you kids. And so we're like, okay, what's going on? Right. And so we go up there and she hands me this box and I, I go, I look in the box. I go, mom, these are my baby pictures, my growing up pictures. She goes, yeah, they're yours. You see that big fifth wheel out there? We're selling everything and hitting the road. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so that that was 13 something years ago. And, you know, me and my son would, on a long weekend, we would catch a plane and fly to wherever she was in the nation. We went to the Smithsonian. Uh, we went to Oregon, Washington State in Florida, you know, we flew all over when we had time and met her while she was traveling. And I got to see, you know, how exciting it can be and how relaxing and every, and you get to see, you know, it's not the world, but you get to see the U.S. Yeah. I mean, that so, that's fantastic because I didn't, you know, before you sharing that story, I didn't know that you had a history of actually doing it. You know, I thought that you made the transition from multifamily over into RV park investing. Um, and I was interested in that. But I think it it brings a, a different dynamic if you've actually done it, you know. And so your mom, you know, sold everything and, and started traveling the country. And then you and your son 
started to visit her and you saw, you know, some of the lifestyle changes, um, you know, and some, look, there's pros and cons to everything. Right. And, right. and, but you get to see the country instead of living in one place. Yeah. And, and of course she did this so long ago. Um, you know, it was, and they also did, uh, work camping, right? So they would, you know, be host at parks. And so they could go anywhere and it wouldn't cost them to stay a month or, you know, they actually got a little bit of pay and then they got to stay for free, you know, all across the country. They just did Yellowstone. What, when did that flood happen? Last year? It was, I think, during the summer of 2022. Um, yeah. yeah. So they were camp hosts out there in Yellowstone. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's pretty awesome. And then uh, it, it, I partnered with uh, another partner. He said, he, he calls me up one day. He says, hey, John, I'm, I'm building this park. I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think about it? What do you think about RV parks? I said, well, I like them. And I told him the story and that's how I got started. So you had the experience on the residential side, you had rental homes, you had multifamily, you had assisted living. And then, and then you get a call from, from a guy, a buddy that says, Hey, what do you think about RV parks? And yeah. you just, you decide to partner with him on your first park. Is that the park that was being built in, in Euless or in, in Ennis? Yeah. yeah. Ennis, yeah. Texas. So share a little bit about that, that project. And, okay, why, so and why did you like moving into the, the, you know, it's one thing to travel in an RV. It's another thing to actually invest in an RV park. Well, you know, it was partly because, you know, the enjoy and the enjoyment I see with the kids and, and the families doing this and the freedom of it, you know, it's, it's just a, a great lifestyle. It's, you know, some of them do it full time. And then, you know, there's people that just do it for vacation. And it it just struck me as something that I wanted to be a part of. Sure. So the, the development in Ennis is, so that's what, an hour south of Dallas? Yeah, it's, it's an hour south of Dallas on I-45 between the two largest cities, Houston and Dallas. And... Um, we're, I'm, I'm divulging a little bit more information. Uh, so we expected, you know, around $26 million value. Well, that value has jumped up because of our dynamic pricing for these parts. And that's sort of why we are looking at mom and pop parks that just take phone calls right. and credit cards over the phone Nowadays, software is so advanced that um, you can book online, you can deliver wood, you can pay for everything right there with your credit card. You can just click and say, I, you know, I want this, I, you know, I want a golf cart, I want whatever. And you can just pay for it with your site number and your credit card. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things about the RV park um, that I like compared to multifamily, you know, you said dynamic pricing, you know, when, you know, this year, I think interest rates is the big discussion, but last year was, was really, you know, inflation. 
and inflation is, is causing, you know, the, the Fed to raise interest rates. But when I think of multifamily, you know, I think of, first of all, you build an apartment complex in it or you buy an existing one and the mix is already there. You know, yeah. it's, it's one bedroom, two bedroom, three bedroom, and you have a certain percentage of each. And sometimes the flow changes and the demand changes and you might be full on your one bedrooms, but that's where the demand is. And, right. you know, three bedrooms, nobody wants one right now. Well, with RV parks, you know, it's, it really is daily, weekly, and monthly. That's right. And so you can change that mix on the fly. Right. So is that what you meant by dynamic pricing? Well, uh, no. Okay, so explain. So, and to your point about that mix, you're absolutely right. If, if, if there's a reception, a recession, or people slow down on RV park transient people, you can change that mix to monthly or weekly, which is great. You can just change it however you want. And then let's say you have a big event coming, you can, you know, change that to daily. Uh, you know, you have to schedule it, of course. And you can also put in time limits that people, people can be there. And I'll give you a good example of dynamic pricing. So for Ennis, we're doing one, you know, Ennis is finishing up and we're start, we've started one in Lake Fork. Uh, but with the, uh, there's 30 events in Ennis a year. There's the Blue Bonnet Festivals. There's the AAA Drag Racing. And with those events, it goes like this. So your first 10% rented, it goes up $2 per site. And then another 10% rented, it goes up another $2. Or you can do it linear, or you can do it kind of like a bell curve or just a set dollar amount. And, and through our research, we did a couple of uh, companies that come out there, example for the races, the drag races. We did Napa Auto Parts. They're a $19 billion company a year. And they're just the shell of the race car is $500,000. And then it's a million dollars for the team. And, you know, you get the picture. It's Sure, it's expensive. it's expensive to have a race car team. <laughs> you know, somebody told me, you want to make a million dollars in racing, start with two. <laughs> right, so, right. Uh, anyway, so you know, we look at it and we say, okay, if they were going to rent from us and our average rate is $80 a night or 87 and, you know, they, they come in and our dynamic pricing has already gone up to under 200, they're going to say, well, how much is it? Is it, you know, it's $200 or 150 that's crazy for us. That's a lot of money for one spot. They're going to go, oh, get it, right? Get it. We're, we're spending, you know, millions of dollars for this one race. What's $200? Right. right. So that's how dynamic pricing works. And like when you fly on the airlines during Christmas or Thanksgiving, you're not going to pay the same price as when you fly in January or February, right? You're going to pay a premium to get to your family. So that's dynamic pricing. And then on I, the other. Right. I love that you tie it to events, you know, in the area because that's, you know, it kind of mimics, well, it's not the same, but it, it has a lot of the characteristics of a, of a hotel, you know, um, you know, because you have. Hospitality. 
hospitality. You have online booking. You know, you can book it right online. You pay, you know, with RV parks, you typically pay before you you go, right? So you don't have the the delinquency that you have and the late pays that you have in, in multifamily. Um, and then you have the ability to change the price. You know, one of the things that's, that's attractive for multifamily versus, say, industrial. Industrial, you lock in prices for five years, maybe two or three percent rent bumps. And you multifamily, you can change the pricing annually. But with right. RV parks, you can change the pricing today. Yeah. Yeah. By the minute. By the minute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was something else about that pricing. Oh, yield management. On the other side of that, too, is yield management. Let's say you it's a down month or a down season. Maybe it's wintertime. Now, Texas is a little different from other RV parks because Texas is really, we have a very mild winter, right? But let's say we have a uh, January. I think that's the lowest month for travel. But it, the software can automatically lower that to get people in. That's that's great. That's great. The other thing is that there's when I think of comparing multifamily to RV parks, there's very little maintenance on the on the yes. turn. Like when somebody leaves an RV space. You don't have to go in and repaint it and put in new flooring and, you know, resurface the countertops like you do in multifamily. Um, so talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so the, the only problems that we have is if somebody runs over some of the electrical and that can be fixed in a few hours a day, at the, you know, the minimum, right? Stand it back up, have electrician reconnect it. And they got to run over it pretty bad to to damage it, right? Is that running over the actual pedestal that has yeah. the really? Yeah, that, <laughs> they, they people run back into them. Okay, but not often, you know, not right. very often. And and I, uh, Darren, uh, Darren, I've had apartments. Well, I've had two. Let's see, two apartments that caught fire. That I was passively involved in. And that affected, you know, the returns for a while. Right. And, you know, it's, it's a little bit hard to burn a pad, right? So, you know, that, that's a, a nice thing. And then when it comes to also I've had an apartment that uh, had some problems with evictions, right? Uh, we couldn't get the people out because it was the judge was um, favorable to people not paying rent because the pandemic and everything. Of course, now it's starting to change and starting to get them out. But when it comes to RV places, they don't live there, right? There's no mailboxes. This is not an eviction. This is trespassing. Yeah, that's a, that's a big extinct, uh, distinction between multifamily and, and RV parks. Now, I did see out west... There's some proposed law. I don't know if you've saw it. It just came out like in the last couple of weeks. I think Oregon. Um, if you stay over a month, they're talking about changing it to be, you know, more tenant laws. Yeah. Um, but that, that's got to be something to watch. But I don't, you know, across the country, I, 
I don't think that that is out there yet. And now, the first. yeah, and I did see something about that. Um, and we we uh, invest in the you know the the states that are more landlord friendly, like sort of some of the people in multifamily. I know they do that too, which is so. What states do you like? I like Texas, Florida, Louisiana, Arkansas is great. Um, and you know, it depends, of course, uh, the amenities and the draw, right? Um, you can have something in one state that has a huge draw. I like West Virginia. We're, we're looking at a deal right now in West Virginia. We're going up there to meet the, uh, the governor and the, uh, mayor of Charleston for a project up there. Very and cool. they just came up with the, or they just came out with the, the brand new national park, the newest national park. So your park is going to be near that national yeah. park. Mm-hmm. Um, so what kind of software do you use and how is um, property management different in RV parks versus multifamily? Cause my understanding is it's, you don't have the choices on the property management side that you have on multifamily where you can have third-party property management. So, you know, one, what type of software do you use for this, all this online billing? And then two, um, do you self-manage or do you have a third-party property manager? We have Buzzworthy Property Management and there's many different, I mean, it's, it's really come a long ways from the old days, from, Managing, um, there's CampSpot, NewBook, RMS, and our software or our property management people run NewBook. I mean, uh, RMS, RMS. And there's and there's plenty of um, RV park management companies now. There are okay. Yeah, I, did, I, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Um, so who is the target? Um, you know, one of the things I heard about RV parks is that from an investment standpoint, one of the attractive uh, parts is that, you know, multifamily, there's some deals that I've seen that have traded, you know, three and four times, you know, different buying groups. And and they bring new capital and they, you know, improve the property that much more and they're able to raise the rents. And um, But one of the things that I've heard about in the RV park world is that there's a lot of mom and pops, you know, that have you know, purchased one RV park, you know, or two RV parks and they're self-managing and they're, you know, they kind of want to retire and get out and they're not as sophisticated and don't have all the software applications and the know-how to take it to the next level. Do you see that? Oh yeah. It's 70%. 70% are mom and pop. The other 30% are like um, KOAs, Jellystone, um, Margaritaville now, Jimmy Buffett's company is getting big into it. Um, so those are the parks we like. You know, there's the very low end um, RV parks like trailer parks. And then there's the mom and pops that we like to buy and bring in the software. And the software now in the management companies, uh, they do a great job of, of managing these and we can continue to buy you know, parks. It's it's like when I was at Lifestyles Unlimited and they told me how to do it right. 
Now we just hire the people who already do it right. And we can continue to go buy. Like, you know, I could continue to go buy single family homes and go, oh, wow, that's that works. Right. Right. And with these management companies that know how to do it um, and raise the rents or, you know, do that not dynamic pricing, you know, it's great. We're, we're looking at one, actually, we're about to buy it in Louisiana. And it's a mom and pop. It's a guy who had a bunch of land out there and he built an RV park because he wanted to. And the same thing, he's about 70 something years old and he's just tired of running it. And here's how he did it. He had the people that lived there, the full timers, cut the grass, check the mail, you know, take the, the payments. And so we're, you know, and it's, it's full. You know, they it's have full. a little bit, yeah, they have a little bit for transient and weekly and nightly, right. but uh, they could do better, right? And we'll do better on it. Yeah, that's that's huge. Is, is t- um, some people I've heard have kind of compared it to self-storage maybe, you know, 10, 20 years ago when, yeah. you know, nobody was really in self-storage in a big way. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of mom and pop uh, self-storage facilities. And, and then, you know, people have gone in there and now there's there's a lot of uh supply there's a lot of you know self-storage facilities around so what i've learned in my travels is that there's kind of and and correct me if i'm wrong but i kind of break it down into like three different types of parks you know a destination park um you know you're going someplace because either the park is fantastic and has a ton of amenities or it's close by to something that you want to go to um, a transient park, like, hey, I'm going to Colorado and I can't get all the way there in one drive, so I'm going to stop in Amarillo and stop over overnight, and so I'm just going to be there for a night. And then you've got more monthly, you know, and and the monthly, you know, I like, you know, when I first got involved, I'm I'm looking at that. I'm like, who are those? Who are the people that are in those parks? You know, you. <laughs> You know, and there's people that don't want to sign an um, annual lease. You know, people that are, say, traveling nurses, you know, people that are on construction jobs that, mm-hmm. you know, might be there for six months or nine months. And they, or, you know, out west in West Texas, there's a ton of them because they don't know how long they're going to be on those projects. Right. And so, um, do you find the same thing that there's these three? Com- different types of parks and which ones do you like? Well, I've got, got a funny story. So we're starting Ennis, right? And we had an investor meetup on site at the property. And so me and my partner are standing there and, and uh, this Dooley, Dodge Dooley four-door pulls up brand new. I mean, you know, it's expensive, uh, 90,000 maybe. What do you right. think? Something like that. So uh, we're, we're waiting on, it's getting to the end of the day and, and we've had our investors come and go and, and uh, had a lunch, barbecue lunch, and, and we're kind of wrapping it up. And I look and I asked my partner, I said, are these your investors? He goes, I don't think so. It was a, a husband and wife in sweats and Crocs, right? And, you know, some flannel shirts. And I go, well, I don't think they're mine. They just don't kind of fit our typical investor, right? And so they walk up and they said, hey, do you know when your park's going to be open? And we told them and, and I said, 
what are you looking for? He goes, well, we got 20 workers for BP that are putting in solar farms around our oil uh, leases. Wow. And so we, we had 97 spots. We said, you want 20 spots? Yeah, we only need it for about six months. We need 20 spots. And then we're like- 20, That's 20% right there, boom, right. leased oh up. My. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, we were floored. And, and we see that, those are the monthly, right? They're like, we're coming in. We were looking at a deal in Pecos, Texas, like you just mentioned. And the same thing, you know, those those guys go out there and, and right, how long are we going to work, right? We're right. going to get all the money we can. I used to have a friend that even worked out in Pecos. And, uh, you know, I, I tell this story. One year he, he worked for a little bit. And, you know, he still had his old car. And then he went out for six months. He came back in a brand new four-door, uh, you know, F-250 Ford. And I'm like, what happened? He said, oh, yeah, we're making real money, making good money. Right. You know, these transient uh, people, you know, in the hospital, nurses, they can make, you know, real good money. And they don't have to stay in one spot. If you do a transient, the nurses get paid more. And these guys doing, you know, remote work or, or far from home get paid more. And, you know, the RV parks on a monthly basis are pretty darn affordable from what I've seen. So, you know, can you share what's the typical monthly rate for, for an RV park? And, you know, we'll compare that to say multifamily. And I think, well, it's a- we see like 550 up to 1500 depending on the location, right. And the need. I mean, 550, that's, you can't, you know, you can't get a two bedroom place for 550 in a, in yeah. a multifamily. You're talking, you know, $1,200, $1,500, depending on where you're at. Um, so I think that there's, you know, and this is just my thought is with housing prices going crazy, with yeah. multifamily, you know, per unit prices, you know, going up dramatically that, you know, where do people live? You know, yes, you have to purchase an RV, you know, so you have to make the investment, but people that are, you know, choosing to have that travel lifestyle can really pick an affordable place, you know, to, to live and get full utilities and, and then not be tied down, not, you know, to a, to a long-term lease. Sure. And we see, uh, uh, some of that happening to houses, especially in the DFW area. I don't know if you can find one under 200 that's livable, right? And that's why I got out of it because the prices were so high, it was hard to rent, buy it and rehab it and rent it. And we see a a lot of people in articles about people just selling, like my mom, selling their house or not buying and getting an RV and then living anywhere there's internet, right? And working right. from their RV. The biggest growing group of RVers are, are millennials and Gen Zs making over $100,000. Holy cow, really? Yes. I didn't realize that. So talk about some of the stats. You're, I mean, I know that you've, you've got a lot of stats. Talk about some of the stats with, you know, RVs. I mean, obviously with the pandemic, everybody wanted to get out of their house and go do stuff. Um, so that was a big run up in RVs. And, you know, some, t- some people are saying that there's going to be a glut in RVs that are going to come back onto the market. 
Um, you know, how does that, you know, just talk about some of the stats and, and where you think things are going. Well, um, so I, another article from CampSpot. Now, CampSpot is one of the softwares that does the management for RVs. They, uh, you know, of course, the reason dynamic pricing works is because it projects, right? It projects out to see what's going, what's happening and who's starting to book. And now some of the people that are with it and uh, know that camps, campgrounds and camp spots are are busy and they were really booked last year and it was hard for some people to find it. So they're starting to book early. Well, CampSpot um, sees that 2023 is going to be another record year. Um, and I was out in Arvik, which is the outdoor industry conference in Orlando. Yeah. They said in the next five years that there's going to be 9 million more RVers in the next five years. So there's just not enough competition out there for people building parks, you know, the ones that are already built. Also, uh, the problem with the mom and pops, they're not too good at technology. You know, some of the other pe older people, right. they just don't know how, what, um, you know, Google analytics are or how to market. So their parks just aren't run very well. Right. Mm -hmm. And they don't know what SEO is and, and how to get it out there. Yeah, it's different than, you know, if you look at multifamily, I think. I think about it doesn't always happen this way, but people, you know, they, they have a job and they drive around 10, 15 minutes in their their area. You know, where do I want to live? And they do, you know, drive bys or they look on apartments.com and look at look for apartments in their area. Um, but with RVing, you really have to have an online presence in order right. to be found, you know, or there's a, there's a bunch of um, RV apps that you can look up uh, based on location or whatever, wherever. Um, and if you're not on those apps and you're not getting the visibility that you really, sh you should be, um, so if somebody comes in and buys that park and then increases that visibility, increases that marketing brand presence, um, that is a value add. Yes. Yeah, that's the, um, what we find are, Facebook's easy, right? It's easy to use. And so sometimes they'll just put it on Facebook and put a number on it, you know, a phone number and hope somebody sees that Facebook page and then calls them. Actually, we, we saw a 118-unit park with a man camp in um, Pecos, Texas. They had six pictures and a Facebook page, no website, nothing else. And, and I'll tell you another story. So we went out there to stay, and we're looking at buying it, right? And so I call and say, hey, I'd like to uh, book a place. And she goes, Oh, okay. And I knew this at the beginning that they were only 40% full, right? And, and we're planning on, you know, coming in and, and doing some advertising. Sure. So we call and say, I want to book a place. And she goes, well, I don't have, I go, I want two nights. And she says, well, I don't have anything. I go, I don't have anything. You're 40% occupied. 40, and she goes, well, I don't have any nightlies. I have monthly and weeklies. And I, just change like, the freaking mix. Exactly. Just change it. So anyway, 
I said, I'll take a weekly. How much is that? She says, $200. I said, fine, you know, I'll take that. So we come, we look at the place, we meet with the uh, agent, and I, the next morning I go try to pay, and nobody's in the office. So um, the next day I try to pay, nobody's in the office. I said, no wonder you want to sell. You're not taking money. Yeah, so that, they, that, that, that's a good person to buy. Did you buy that deal? Well, we're still trying. Yeah. Oh, well, that that sounds like the type of person you want to buy from. So I've had the same experience where I'm driving and I'm like to my wife, hey, you know, we probably have another hour or two driving, you know, here's the next major city that we're going to run into, you know, take a look for some RV parks in that area. And, yeah. you know, we had this situation maybe two, three weeks ago. And so... She calls and it's like quarter to five uh -huh. and, you know, it just goes to voicemail. And we know we're like, if you get them after five, then you may not get in. Yeah. Right. So it's a happened to be a, I was really surprised because it was a big national chain of RV parks. Wow. Um, and so I'm like, call the one in Arizona, you know, they're still, you know, open and see if you can get, so call there. Talk, she got somebody but they were like, you know, I can't do anything for you. All I can do is see my system and I can't get, and we're like, look, so you're, you're telling us, well, my wife is more polite than I am, I guess. Uh -huh. So I'm saying to myself, so they're basically saying we don't want your business for the next couple of nights. Right. And so we went and stayed at a different park because you could not do online booking for the same night. And that to me is a lost opportunity. And you know, maybe I'm only staying there for one or two nights, but I will never tell anybody about going to that park, yeah. you know, where had I stayed there for one or two nights, I may have told other RVers like, hey, if you're traveling through here, you know, you should check this park out. And they lost that opportunity completely. Right. And what we see, too, is, you know, with all the social media and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, you know, one video at that park or a check-in means maybe 10 or 15, who knows if this is an influence or not, influencer says, oh, oh yeah. Or somebody who just connects with other RBs, RB, right. you know, they go, oh, okay, well, there's a park. You're right. I mean, all that is uh, organic advertising. It, it really has... Now, you, you do have in the multifamily world, you have people that like where they live. And so then they tell friends and family and then they build a community, you know, and, and those people will stay year after year after year, which is fantastic. Um, I think of the RV space, you know, more like, I don't know if it's a good analogy, but like restaurants, you know, like you're, you're looking for reviews from other people. You're looking for... Um, to try to get as much information as you can about that location before you, you're going to invest. It's not just the money that you're spending, but it's also your time, right. you know, that you have a choice on where you're going to stay. And so you want to hear from other people that it was, you know, a good quality place. And, you know, that can go a long way. And people, people talk, man. I take right. my dog to the, to the dog park and, the, you know, and my wife will call me like 20 minutes later, like, where are you? I'm like, I just met this couple, you know, we're, you know, they've got a nice dog and we're, we're talking and they're, we're, and we're swapping stories about where to, where to go, yeah. you know, and 
So, hey, talk about um, buying existing parks versus developing. Okay. Um, You know, developing, it depends on where it is, right? I've had a few, like Ennis, uh, the city was, you know, with us and they liked it. Uh, We had to convince them, of course, at the beginning because they're looking at it like a trailer park. And they do have another park that's 20 units out there. And, you know, it's grass and gravel and it's full-time people. And, you know, they don't like some of the uh, residents there. So we had to convince them that, uh, you know, like I told you before this started, there's a new RV out there that's $7.7 million with a optional Bugatti in it, right? 7.7 million? Yeah. That's crazy. Right? And I, and it's optional Bugatti. That didn't come but, with Bugatti. But what are the low end? So there, there's a huge range in RVs because you yeah. can get in with just trailering your, you know, getting a trailer too or, right. or pulling a fifth wheel or, or uh, you know, getting into the A-class. So what? What's kind of the entry level? Well, um, I think maybe a 23 foot or even the vans. Well, the entry level vans, right? Those are small. The, those can but, be expensive when you. Oh, yeah. They're 120,000, I think. Yeah, when you make them, make them custom. And, and, uh, but the trailers, you can get in for what, 20, 30, 40 grand? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 30 grand. Sure. And, and so you've got a huge you know, variation between to fit any budget from 30,000 all the way to 7.7 million. Yeah. Um, you know, and those people are probably staying in a little bit different place, you know, um, than, than but when what we're talking it, about. The, the, the difference between existing and construction, right? Yeah, right. So it, it depends on where the, where it is. And if you can convince the city, hey, this is not a trailer park, right? And, with Ennis, we've said 90-day stay, that's it. Because, you know, they don't want pink flamingos and, and decks built, right, in the front yard or beside their trailer. They want to pick up and move on so you don't have those people that are just staying, right? So is that part of the 90-day max? Is that just your um, policy or is that something that was part of the approval for getting the park approved with that the city. Yeah, that was with the city. Okay. Because they didn't want another trailer park. I know a lot of, you know, cities aren't fond of trailers. Yeah, I mean, the RV park, you know, I understand having to educate the, the city on that. Um, I, where my mind is, is wondering is like, um, I've had other people talk about, um, they would use the term winter Texans, you know, people that were... Yeah up in the Midwest and they're, you know, they want to get out of the winter and, you know, maybe they're in Minnesota or Wisconsin or wherever. And, mm-hmm. and they're looking to come, they don't want to go all the way to Florida, you know, yeah. and Texas is a shorter drive and, you know, they like the community and it's a milder winter, but they want to come from maybe, you know, October to April, you know? Yeah. And so that, that's over that 90 day limit. So you kind of miss those, those people. Well, you know, there's, we'll have to have them leave for a day and then come back 
just so we meet that criteria is 90 days in this spot. And, and they can go, you know, they can boondock or go. Walmart used to let you sit in the parking lot or stay in the parking lot overnight. So something that, like that, you know, the city really doesn't want them staying. Camping out, right. Yeah, camping out, right. And making it their permanent res- residence. Yeah. Hey, talk about financing for RV parks because, you know, a couple interesting things there. One is, you know, on the multifamily side, it's kind of upside down, right? Yeah. Like cap rates are lower than the interest rates that you're getting on the loan. So you actually have to implement some of the value add just to break even. Yeah. Where on the RV park side, there's still a positive spread, I yeah. believe, you correct me if I'm wrong, between the cap rate and the financing you can get on it. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of the mom and pops around the 10 cap and they still have a value add, right? So if you're buying a park that doesn't advertise much, doesn't have a website, doesn't have professional management, and you can buy it at a 10 cap and come in and implement the dynamic pricing, um, it does very well. And then on the... What kind of financing are you getting on something like that, um, both LTV and and rate-wise? Well, we just got a term letter two weeks ago from a bank with 75% LTV. And and we talked about this a little bit before, is that we thought we were going to have to bring in half equity and half debt. And the bank said, and of course, the bank president was an RVer, and he says, listen, I get it. You guys can stop raising money if you want, because we'll bring in 75%, you know, we'll do a 75% LTV loan. And um, That's it huge. was a pretty, pretty good interest rate too. What, what was the interest rate? It was one over prime. One over prime. What's prime now? Yeah, well, um, well it changes, but 7.75. Is it seven and a half? So, so yeah. eight and a half percent rate? Yeah. And so and we you, you've got a one you got 150 basis points positive spread on 75% yeah. of the purchase price. And we already did our underwriting at 8%. At 8%. So, right. Um that's fantastic. Now, what are the what's the uh, the, the remainder of the terms on that is it 30-year amortization, 25-year amortization, 20-year? Is there any interest only? uh, It's an interest only. For how many years? Uh, Two years. Okay. And then a 20-year am. 20-year am. Okay. So that's a little bit of the difference um, for, you know, and and that's bank financing versus agency financing on the on the multifamily you know bank financing typically wants either a 20 or 25 year am versus um, a 30 year and so they're getting paid back you know principal you know at a, at a quicker clip than than the agencies um, so what what are the investor forecast of returns on on these RV deals um well is it comparable they- is it better is it well, for, for one of them we're doing is a three-year guarantee during construction, five, uh, 8% PREF 
but uh, we're pretty sure we're going to beat that. We're looking at uh, with 100,000 down, uh, return of 370,000. Oh, wait, 307,000 on your 100. So you get your 100 back plus 270,000. Yeah. So it's more than 8% pref. So you've got eight, you've got the 8% pref, but then you, you're also, pro, you know, having your pro forma that you're going to sell it at a, do you, do you sell these or do you keep them or what's the exit strategy? Well, we like the five year exit strategy. Unless we refinance and then we make the decision to keep it. If we get enough of the financing back, we raise the, uh, value enough to refinance and get a lot of the investor money back. Then we just keep it. And, and what we like to do is kind of toss it out there and say, you know, if there's a offer for it before we refinance, say, okay, here's what we're going to make. Do you guys want to sell? Now our project at Lake Fork, um, we know that these guys make offers out there quite often to the owners because we've talked to them and they won't sell is because, you know, they're just, they're making money and they don't want to sell. What else did, you know, there, one guy said, you know, what else am I going to do? If I sell, I may have money, but I like it here. So right. why sell? Yeah. It's not his time yet. It's not his time. So, um, but that's, sim so it's similar to multifamily where you have, Two exit strategies, either either a cash out refinance or or a sale, and exactly. it's a five year business plan as well. Yeah, um, but that's a that's a pretty amazing you know pro forma return. I mean, typical multifamily pro forma return I see is double your money in five years. So you put yeah. in a hundred k, you get your hundred k plus another hundred, and this deal that you're talking about was a hundred k projected to turn into 307k over right. over 5 years. So that's um you know the power of of getting into a market that is you know it's less efficient. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it there's less competition. Uh people don't understand it as much. Um but I think people are going to start to open their eyes because you have more and more people that have bought RVs that are traveling. I did not grow up in a family of RVers, you know, but I wanted to see the country and I wanted to get access to different areas. And I'm one person. And then I tell other people, and I, I can't tell you how many people ask me questions about, about it and are curious and, you know, they want to try it. And now there's platforms where you can rent before, you know, like, a, uh, what was the, is it RV Share? Um, RV Share and RV Easy. Yeah. So I rented three or four times before I purchased. And, yes, so did I. And so that's a, a great way to see if you're going to actually enjoy it. And um, what did you rent? I rented an Airstream three times. Wow. And then the third time, um, I parked right next to a guy in a big A-class bus and he, he was helping me, you know, set it up and stuff. And he could tell I was a novice and he's like, Hey, if you want a tour of mine, you know, I'd, I'd be happy to show it to you. I'm like, great. Once my wife goes in there, I'm done. Yeah. 
And yeah, that's dad. exactly what happened. We went into, it was a big old Integra. Um, oh, and, and we walked through that. My wife was like, dishwasher, washer, dryer. Like, yeah. and, and so I did not have a truck. So when I started looking at the cost of buying a truck and the trailer, mm. um, it started to make sense to look at getting an A-class. Um, I, look, it's like anything. I, you always spend more money than you think you're going to. And so yeah. I did. Um, but you know, we, we enjoy it. We enjoy the lifestyle. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity in the, in the, on the RV park investing side as well. Just even, do you guys do storage too? Well, RV storage. We, yeah, we do storage. Um, so Ennis, we were going to do storage with Ennis and we started looking at the numbers. We started doing the dynamic pricing, of course, we, in, and we said, okay, we can get this many more spots out there and let's look at the numbers. If this pricing works, then it's going to beat storage by miles, right? So we looked at it and said, oh man, Ennis is, the, the location is right on the service road near the Bucky's there. There's so, a massive Bucky's and you're yeah. what, right behind it or right yeah, next to it? Yeah, it's uh, 1,250 feet up the road from us. Yeah, I mean, that so, Bucky's, every time I drive by it, is just packed, packed, packed. Crazy. Man, they they know market. I mean, they know locations, right? Right. And, and they also, that's an opportunity zone that they put that in. Oh, is it is it really? And, so and, is your park in an opportunity zone? No. There's oh. a cutout like that big. Oh. Like just a little bit, and our park's right in the middle. That would have been nice. It yeah. would have been nice, yeah. So Bucky's has fifty-five to sixty thousand vehicles a week. Jeez. That one in Ennis. Wow. And so, you know, we we've watched it. One percent are RVs. One we we estimate. Let's say the minimum or one percent are RVs. So we have ninety-seven spots, and what's one percent of fifty-five thousand? That's a lot. Right. right. That's, that's a lot. So what was the, I love that you did that comparison of, okay, storage versus adding more spots. You know, you said it was, it wasn't even close. Like what yeah. was it two times, five times, 10 times? What was the differential in terms of opportunity? Well, if, you know, we don't know exactly yet, but at least five times more. Oh, and I got to imagine that the, the construction cost per unit is less than building less. the storage as well. So That's it's correct. less, it's less CapEx and you're getting a, a better return. That's right. Um, and you were already building whatever you have for amenities, the, the office and you know, what I, I don't do, do you have a pool or anything like that? Yeah. Um, office, office, pool, pool showers, all that. Also, all of that was already being, distributed you're already building that yeah. and so you're just adding new spaces um that yeah that's that's huge um another thing i learned by looking at rv parks is sit um city sewer and water mm -hmm. um do you does do your parks have that and do you see that as an advantage absolutely that's a huge advantage of course, that's where you get into talking to the city, more cost. Ennis has city 
water, city sewer. Um, the West Virginia one will have uh, city sewer, city water, electric, um, gas on site. The one at Lake Fork, that's going to be septic. Uh, it'll have, we may have city water. Uh, right now it's on well uh, and then septic. And, and so you, you missed one other um, utility. Electric. Internet. Oh, internet. Internet's huge. Everybody, every, that's the biggest complaint on, you know, different RV parks is, yeah. is internet. Yeah. So what, what do you guys do for internet? So we'll do Starlink, Elon Musk Starlink for remote locations like that. But we got fiber in Ennis. Um, I did some research. I did, I, I paid for a survey, sent it out to thousands of RVers and said, what's your number one ask? Which, what's the number one thing that you want in an RV park? So one and two were shade and internet, mm. right? And I, you know, it was so close that, you know, I think internet actually beat it, but, you know, and that goes hand in hand with the people working from working remotely, right? So that, yeah, that's huge. I mean, that's, that's one of the biggest complaints I see on, on RV park, you know, uh, apps is, is nice park, but the internet was terrible, you know? Yep. And so how do you work the Starlink um, for an entire park? Okay, so, well, you remember I'm a network guy. My old, my old job as a network guy. Okay. So Starlink can do, um, we've, we've seen it do 70 down. So we'll bundle two into what they call a router that aggregates these together. So you'll have, uh, you know, that much bandwidth going over two or three Starlinks if you're in remote. And then for things that are in the city, also you can bring in multiple pipes. You can order three um, different um, services, or you can order the same service, but three different connections and also bundle them. Yeah. So we, our point is, we want the fastest internet of any park around us or wherever we're at. Which is, which, which is definitely huge for anybody that yeah. has been traveling in an RV. It's very frustrating being someplace. And, um, you know, for me, I, I had pretty good internet in most of the locations I went to, but I was in Florida just in January and it was extremely frustrating. I was in a high-end RV park and the internet was terrible and I was on Zoom calls and I was getting bumped off. Um, so I had to go out and buy Starlink. Oh, did and, you? Yeah. How so is I, it? I went, oh, it was great. It was great. Once I yeah. got Starlink, it was fantastic. Um, but, you know, that's why I was wondering how you leverage that across, you know, multiple uh, spaces because I had Starlink for my RV, um, you know, it's, it's located outside and you run a wire into, into the RV, but, um, well, and here's another thing we use triple, um, three solutions and they bring in ubiquity, uh, wireless. And then we take those three Starlinks or whatever, put it in that, uh, router and that router goes out to this ubiquity, uh, wireless and that covers the whole park. That's how oh. we do it. 
So you, you hook the Starlink and you, you have multiple Starlinks, yeah. multiple Starlinks into a router. And then the router goes out to where all of the, the spaces can access it. Right. It goes out to wireless devices throughout the park and those uh, RVs can connect to any, any one of those. The one they're closest to or have the best signal. Right. That's, that's awesome. Um, well, what are your, what's your view on, we're, you know, we're coming near the end here. What's your view on RV parks for say the next five to 10 years from an investment perspective? Well, they're a very good investment because there's just not enough parks out there. You know, like the Arvik, uh, the outdoor industry um, group that we talked to in Orlando, you know, predicts 9 million more in the next five years. And you, you just, you can't um, provide enough spots for everybody. So we've, we've got to, you know, buy some spots and, and upgrade them, expand them. So we got a couple of those we're going to do um, and then develop more spots. Like we were approached by uh, West Virginia to come out there and say, we need it. We, we got to have, we got to have some spots, right? They've, they've got uh, the new, uh, new national park. And so that's what we're seeing. We, we've got people that just, you know, request us to do it. And, and, you know, it's, it's going to continue to grow. And, and the thing is, you know, this, that the pandemic, uh, it, during 2021, it was it estimated 2.7 million new RVers. And what we got was 10.4 million in one 10. year. 10.4 in one year. Yeah. Of new that was RVers. reported by KOA. Wow. Yeah. So, you have a lot of people that started doing it and some said, oh, you know, this isn't for me. I was right. afraid that I was going to get sick. Now don't, you know, ever already got COVID. I'm not going right. to be sick. Right. But you still have people like me. I'm an RVer now. You're an RVer. Yep. And then I have friends that go, oh my gosh, I love what you're doing. I love where you're going. I want right. to do it. And then right. now they started renting just like I did, just like you did. Right. And go, oh my gosh, this is cool. Right. So it's going to continue to grow. So the other thing that I, I find, this is not investment-wise, but just lifestyle-wise, that's very different and cool, I think, about the RV space is that, you know, when you pull into an RV park, you, you get out and you actually meet your neighbors. Right. You know, and it's very social where, you know, if you you know, in your house, like you, so many people pull in their neighborhood, they pull in their driveway and close the garage door behind them. And they don't even know their, a lot of their neighbors. And then if you go to, you know, an Airbnb or whatever, do you knock on the door next door to, to introduce yourself? Probably not, you know, right. but that's the part that I love. Like I love meeting people at the dog park or, you yeah. know, we're sitting by and we're, you know, we're at the campfire and right. we're, we're just talking and just, yeah getting to know other people, which is fantastic. Yeah. So, hey, how do people reach you if they want to get involved in this space? Hey, just go to my website, which is thervinvestor.com. And, you know, you'd like to fill out or find more information there. You can always send me an email. thervinvestor.com? Correct. Okay, fantastic. Um, well, 
I really appreciated you coming on. Um, I think it's an, a space. Were you nervous getting into the space? Because you, you got in. Like a lot of people are talking multifamily. You get in. Like now you're like the RV guy, you know? <laughs> and and it's more people are going to be starting to like go to you to get that information on, hey, how'd you get involved? And I want to do that too. Both doing it and also investing in it. Yeah, it was it was an easy transition. I guess I just love the space and and I love real estate. I always have, but then you got a love of this together. My mom was doing it and you know, I fell in love with it. So it just mixed the two together, right? That's Harvey fantastic. So this guy's been doing it for over 20 years, different types of real estate investing, and now he's in the RV park world. If you have interest in investing in RV parks um, or want to just, you know, pick his brain and get to know more about the industry, you know, reach out to him, uh, thervinvestor.com. And, um, you know, I really appreciate you coming on, John. And until next week, signing off. Thank you, Darren. Thanks, John. Thank you for listening to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show at darrenbatchelder.com. If you liked the episode, please provide us with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. If you already provided us with a five-star review, then thank you. And please share the show with a friend. 